We are continuing our series tonight in the letter Ephesians, right, and we are turning over a new page. We are now on page 951. Yes, we've gone through chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, and now we are stepping into chapter 4. Page 951, we're going to look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Listen to God's word. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of this calling with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many of you have older siblings? I have a, an older brother whose name is Brian. <laughs> this is my older brother at his high school graduation, and that is me next to him. Those glasses were very fashionable back in that day. <laughs> and my brother Brian is eight years older than I am, and I looked up to my brother in every way. My brother was valedictorian of his high school class, and so I wanted to be valedictorian someday. My brother was the athlete of the year, and so I wanted to be an athlete 
and be the athlete of the year one day. My brother got a really high score on his SAT, nearly an, a perfect score on his SAT, and so I wanted to get a perfect score on my SAT. My brother loved The Lord of the Rings by Tolkien, and so I, to this day, love The Lord of the Rings and all things written by Tolkien. My brother was really into 80s rock and roll, and so my brother introduced me to Huey Lewis in the news. And I, today, still love Huey Lewis in the news. How many of you know who Huey Lewis in the news is? Ah, uh, very few of you. After the service, if you'd like to, I can bring up some Huey Lewis in the news and we can listen to it together. I wanted to listen to what my brother was listening to. I wanted to be like my brother. My brother also enjoyed playing tennis. So as a little kid, I would follow along on my BMX bike when all of his friends would be up on their 10 speeds, and we'd go down to the, to the tennis courts, and I would sit there, and I would watch patiently for an hour, two hours, sometimes three hours, until my brother would let me take his racket. And he would give me the ball, and I would lift up the air, and I'd totally whiff it. My brother would just, just sort of stand there and just kind of look down at me and smile. And my brother, my brother actually got to about six feet tall, which is not all that tall, but he always referred to me as shorty. Because as you can see in this picture, I was a lot shorter than him. I was about 3'8". And so when you're six foot tall <laughs> and you have a little brother that's 3'8", it's appropriate to call somebody shorty. Well, I looked up to my brother in, in more ways than one. And I wanted to be like my brother in every way. And he set the standard high. He set the bar high for me. And I so wanted to be like him. I wanted to measure up to my brother. I'm sure that many of you can think of somebody that you have wanted to measure up to, someone that you have wanted to be like. You know, maybe your, your dad is a great artist. He's good with paints, or he's a sculptor, or he's a photographer. And at one point, you were inspired to start picking up a camera yourself or to take up a brush. You wanted to be like your dad as an artist. Or maybe your, maybe your mom was an entrepreneur, and your mom started a business from scratch, and you saw her work hard, and you saw her make this, this business successful, and so you had this desire that maybe one day you could start your own business. And so you've come here to Calvin College, and you're a business major, and you one day want to start your business. Or maybe you have an older sister who learned how to knit and crochet, and she made really cool hats and scarves and sweaters. And, and so you, too, you wanted to learn how to knit and make hats and scarves. Or maybe... Outside of your family, uh, growing up, you had a great fourth grade elementary school teacher that you just adored. And since that day, you knew that you wanted to be an elementary school teacher because of her example. Or you had a, a basketball coach who was a great basketball coach who gave you life lessons and taught you the game. And though you love to play basketball, one day you know that you want to be like that coach and you want to be a basketball coach. Or you remember the day when you first heard The Edge and you said, I want to be an electric guitar player, just like The Edge. Anybody? Not too many. My, where's Drew? Drew or Sam, they certainly wanted to be like The Edge one day. There we go. Yeah, there's Sam. So we all have people that we can think of that we have 
wanted to be like, that inspired us, that set a high standard for us, that, that we wanted to be like them. And when I think about my, my own brother, there was every expectation that I could be like him one day. It was not a burden on my life. It was just an expectation that I could be like my brother. Well, we had the same family. We grew up in the same house. We had the same financial situation. We went to the same schools. We ate from the same box of Wheaties. We had the same circumstances. I, of course I could grow up to be like my brother. I had every expectation that I could. Well, this same kind of expectation is what Paul wants for the Ephesians. Paul wants the Ephesians to have this expectation that they can grow up to be like Jesus. For three chapters in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, Paul has been teaching the Ephesians that they have been brought into a new reality, that they have been called from, from one reality into a, a new reality, that they are, they are no longer foreigners and strangers to the covenants and promises of God, but they have been adopted. They have been brought into the family of God. God does no longer consider them sinners, the unrighteous, the impenitent, but God has brought them, has called them out into a family where they are given a new name. They are called saints by God. They are righteous. God has called them out, and not only is it just a calling, but in chapter 1, Paul talks about them being chosen, about them being predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his will. They have been called out, predestined, chosen to be a part of this family. And as members of this family... They have a big brother. And this big brother's name is Jesus. And Jesus is the one who Paul says is far above all rule, all power, all authority, all dominion. Jesus is great and Lord over all. But he is also their brother. And as a member of the family, they share in all the blessings and all the privileges of the family of God. They share the same Father and the same love of the Father. They share all of the riches, all the eternal inheritance that God has given them. They share with Christ the same Spirit and the same power at work in Jesus and in them. They are in the same family. They have all of the same blessings. And so Paul has every expectation that the Ephesians will grow up, that they will measure up to Jesus. So Paul says in verse 1, I urge you, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You have been brought into this new family, called into this new family, and as a member of this family, I beg you, I urge you to, to grow, to measure up to Jesus Christ. And then he describes what this looks like. With all humility and gentleness, 
with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. These are, these are all descriptions of Jesus, of their big brother. These are descriptions of Jesus, Jesus who in humility never did anything of his own will. Jesus, who humbly submitted himself at all times to the will of the Father. Or Jesus, who is gentle and took to himself the burdened and the weary and gave people rest. Or Jesus, who was patient, patient with people who misunderstood him people who misrepresented him, people who insulted him. And Jesus, who in his great love offered himself up to death for people who hated him. Paul is describing Jesus, the big brother of the family. And Paul has every expectation that the Ephesians can grow, that they can measure up to Jesus. Now, admittedly, measuring up to Jesus is a tall order. I mean, Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus created the universe. But Paul is not calling the Ephesians to measure up to Jesus' divinity. No, Paul is calling the Ephesians to measure up to Jesus' humanity. Jesus came to this earth to live the life the way that it was always supposed to be lived. Jesus came as a human being to live fully as a human being, to live in humility and gentleness and patience and in love. Jesus lived the way that God meant for us to live, the way things were supposed to be. And so has given us an example of what it looks like to live like a full human being. To live life the way that it's supposed to be lived. But even still, measuring up to Jesus' humanity is still a very tall order. Many of us come with doubts. You may wonder sometimes if God even exists or if Jesus is truly the person that the Bible makes him out to be. And you're wondering, how how can I measure up to Jesus when I regularly have these doubts? Or how can I measure up to Jesus when, when I doubt if I'm even really a member of the family of God? I'm not I'm not so sure that that God loves me as his child. I oftentimes feel like I'm a stranger, a foreigner to the promises of God. How can I grow up to the measure of God when I'm not sure if I'm even a part of the family? Or how can I, how can I measure up to Jesus when I doubt that Jesus is even at work by His Spirit? That I cognitively recognize that, that, yes, I'm a member of the family of God, but, but do I see the evidences of this in my life? Is Jesus really at work? And if not, how, how, can, how do I know that I can grow up, that I can measure up to Jesus? Or maybe, 
Maybe you feel disadvantaged. Maybe when you were a child, you were abused. And that abuse has stayed with you in your life. And though it may hurt less and less every year, it is still real. And oftentimes you feel like you're held back from growing more and more like Jesus. Or maybe you struggle with depression. And some days are good, but many days, or most days, you would rather go sleep than have any energy for growing up like Jesus. Or maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian home. And you think all of my friends that grew up in Christian homes, well, they know all these Bible studies and they seem to know what it means to be like Jesus. And I'm just trying to figure all this out and I have, they have such a head start on me. And I don't think that I can really grow up to the measure of Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you regularly feel discouragement. Maybe you open up the Bible and you think, there's no way I can memorize any scripture. Or every time I read the Bible, I feel like I have no idea what they're talking about. Or when I pray, it feels like I'm just praying to a brick wall. And so how am I going to measure up to Jesus? Maybe you've gotten drunk the last three weekends in a row. Or you're regularly, regularly fooling around with your boyfriend. Or you are a gossip. And you just can't stop talking about people behind their back. And even when you get together with, for people with, uh, for peop- with people for prayer, all it really is is about talking about people and what their problems are. And you're wondering, how in the world, with all of my obvious sin in my life, how am I going to measure up to Jesus? And we may imagine Jesus as this older brother who is looking down at us, that he's proud and he's arrogant and he's smug and he's like, you can't measure up. Or maybe you imagine Jesus like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son, the older brother who said, this son of yours, this son of yours who said that he hated you, he wanted you to die, he took all of your money, he squandered it with all these prostitutes, this son of yours, this son of yours who you killed a fatted calf for, this son of yours who you threw a party for, this son of yours? But no, that is not Jesus. That is not our older brother. Jesus, our older brother, does not stand above us smugly or with pride But Jesus comes up and stands with us, and he holds his hands out open, ready to give us everything that we need in heaven and on earth to grow up to be like him. When Paul talks about living up to this calling to which the Ephesians have received, Paul says in verse 7 this, with a big but, big transition here, but... Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself of captive. He gave gifts to his people. Paul here is quoting from a psalm. And in this psalm, it is describing King David. King David, who has gone off to war, and he is coming back into Jerusalem in victory. 
And David has with him this triumphant procession. He has with him all of his military commanders. He has all the soldiers. And along back, there are all the captives of war. And along with them, all of the spoils of war. All the fine clothing, all of the armory, all of the food, all of the riches and jewelry. And David, along with this procession, is ascending up Mount Zion. And there, before all of Jerusalem... David starts giving away gifts. There's a sword for you, a shield for you, clothing for your family, food for your family, riches, jewels. Let me share with you all of the spoils so that we can all together share in this great victory that God has done through me as king. And Paul here is saying that this king, well, it's not ultimately King David. But this king is Jesus. Jesus is the one who went out to war. And Jesus is the one who won victory over sin and death on the cross. Jesus is the one who, in his resurrection from the dead, triumphed over the grave. And Jesus, who ascended on high so that he stands at the right hand of the throne of God. And Jesus there, as the triumphant king, the first thing that he does is he gives out gifts to his people. Remember Pentecost? The day in which the Spirit of God was given out to the church came right after his ascension, which demonstrates that Jesus is victorious and Jesus is Lord, and he gives out all of his gifts to people. And Paul explains further what these gifts look like. Verse 11 the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Apostles, those who had firsthand experience with the incarnate Jesus, who were there at his death and resurrection and ascension, who heard Jesus send them out into the world. And the apostle Paul, who on the Damascus road saw the incarnate Jesus, and was given his commission to go out to the world. Prophets. Prophets are those who have an ear to God's word and speak that word into unique in various situations in the church and outside the church. Speak directly God's word to people. Or evangelists people who are right there in the community, who know the language, who know the, the lingo, who know the culture, can speak about Jesus and the good news with people. Some to be pastors, pastors who shepherd the flock, who organize the people, who give leadership, who care for the poor and the sick. And then teachers, teachers who understand the, the word of God and can explain it to others. And all these gifts that Jesus has given are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to what? To maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that he has given these gifts so that we, all of us together, can grow up to be like Jesus, can measure up to Jesus. 
when, when I think about Calvin College, I think that we have an embarrassment of gifts. All around us, we have so many people who are there to encourage us, to give us grace and equip us for the work of becoming more and more like Jesus. I think of, of Pastor Mary and her amazing ability to communicate and to speak relevantly into our lives. I think of Sharon Bitework, who is, who is able to sit down, has the freedom to sit down with any student and to give spiritual direction. Anybody who wants to grow in Jesus, she can give them help. Or Lisa Jousma, who is a mentoring coordinator, who has lined up over 100 students with mentors who are older and wiser, who can help those students measure up to Jesus, to grow up in Jesus. Or the Bradfords, who give excellent pastoral care over the residence halls. Or or Aaron Winkle, who organizes community and learning opportunities, growing opportunities for students off campus and who ministers to athletes and helps them to grow in their faith, to grow up, to measure up to Jesus. Or there's the Service Learning Center where students can be, where you can be sent out into the community and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to see Jesus at work in you and in others. Or Ken Hefner, who is so good at helping us to see Jesus in culture, in movies, in music. Those are just just staff people. Think about all the gifts that exist among you as students. Just this past week, Nicole Lanko led a chapel on Wednesday where we had an opportunity to hear many voices of doubt and lament. I remember walking into it and feeling like that this might be a a heavy chapel that I might go out feeling burdened, but I didn't at all. It was a chapel where I felt free, that I was able to, to hear the very same doubts that I have spoken, and to know that, that I wasn't alone, but that there are other people among me, those who are struggling, and those who need the Spirit of God to help us grow. I think of RAs spend 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 hours a week just hanging out on their dorm floors and who have a great desire to see that the students on their floors grow up in Christ and that there is community there. Or Barnabas team leaders who have prayer groups and Bible studies and dorm worship. Those are, those are all formal roles. In informal ways, we all show gifts to one another might be late at night, and you are anxious about your tuition payments. You're not sure if on next week you're going to be able to register for classes because you're not sure if you're going to be able to pay for it. And your friend takes you by the hand and prays for you and gives you encouragement. Or your roommate walks into your room every Sunday morning and wakes you up and kicks you and tries to get you out of bed to go to worship, and you don't want to. But you're glad afterwards that your roommate encouraged you, brought you to worship? Or you have a friend who forgives you and forgives you and forgives you and forgives you 
And after a while, you begin to think, you know, I really am a jerk. (laughs) And I need to not be such a jerk. In fact, I want to be kind. I want to be a good friend. So they encourage you to, to grow. In all these ways and so many more, there are gifts at work on this campus to help us grow up, to measure up to Jesus. They're meant for our equipping, for our building up, so that we may grow to the full stature of Jesus. I want to return one more time to uh, the picture of me and my brother. I noticed this this afternoon as I was looking at the picture. The yellow tassel and the hat. That was my brother's valedictorian hat, and the yellow was for valedictorian. I see in my brother Jesus. I see my brother putting his hat on my head and saying, Paul, one day you can grow up to be like me. That's, the, that's Jesus. Yes, he stands above us. He is so much greater but he stands with such encouragement and with every desire to see us grow up to be like him so that more and more throughout our life we look like Jesus. Now, we will never reach perfection in this life. It would be foolish for us to think that we would reach perfection in this life. But more and more we will grow and look like Jesus until after this life we will reach perfection and we will see all the glory of being a part of the family of God and all the riches and blessing of being like Jesus. This is the hope that we have, and this is the encouragement that we have in Jesus. Let's pray. I invite you with eyes closed to think of think of a person who has encouraged you to be like Jesus. Think of a name of a person. Maybe it was a family member or someone here on campus. It was a teacher or a coach, a friend. Now I'd like to invite you to speak their name out loud in thanks to God. Thanks to God for the gift that he has given. Thank you for Matt. God, we thank you for your people. We thank you for the family that we are a part of. And we think back to that, that loft service where we had a picture of all of us, a picture to remind us of the family of God that we are a part of. And we thank you for the encouragement that is here just in this place right now and for the encouragement that you have given us so many people Lord we want to be like Jesus 
What else are we doing if we don't want to be like him? Lord, we either want to be like you or we don't want to be like you. It's not a third option. Thank you that we can. Thank you that we can walk like Jesus. Thank you that we can be patient and humble and gentle. Lord, help us, we pray, and help us to experience the tremendous blessings of walking with Jesus in every way. And may we know you in all of your power and glory. And as we know you, may we desire you more. And as we desire you more, may we know you. And as we know you, may we desire you more. And may it be this endless cycle of growing in you. Give us a vision of Jesus. We pray this in his name and in the power of the Spirit. Amen.